0: Brett McKay here, and welcome to another edition of the Art of Manliness podcast. Now, when people hear that Brian David Johnson is a futurist, they typically want him to offer some predictions for what the world will look like 10, 20, 50 years from now. But Brian will explain to them that being a futurist is less about predicting the future than envisioning possibilities for it, choosing the one you want to build, and figuring out how to get there from the present. Brian works through this process of future casting for Fortune 500 companies in the military, and in his book, The Future You, he shows individuals how they can apply it to their personal lives. He shows what that looks like with us today on the show, beginning with the importance of envisioning the future future, not as something set that you're helplessly hurtling towards, but as something you can actively change in shape. We then talk about how to do your own future casting by figuring out what you want the life of your future you to look like and identifying the tools and people that can get you there. Brian then explains how to get going towards your desired future and why that future is local. And we end our conversation with what all this has to do with a quote from General Dwight D. Eisenhower, plans are useless, but planning is everything. After the show's over, check out our show notes at aom.is future you. All right, Brian David Johnson, welcome to the show. That's a pleasure to be here, Brett. So you are a futurist. So what exactly do futurists do? And what do you think are the biggest misconceptions people have about your profession?
1: so as a futurist I work with organizations to look 10 to 15 years out in the future and I model both positive and negative futures and then I'm an applied futurist which means then I turn around and look backwards and say okay what are the steps we need to take today tomorrow five years from now to move towards that positive future and move away from the negative so probably the best example where I've done it in the past is I was the chief futurist at the Intel corporation the chip company and the reason why I was there is because it takes them 10 years to design, develop, and deploy a chip. So it was a vital business importance for them to know 10 years in advance what people wanted to do with technology. And that was my job. So I'm, a, I'm an engineer and a designer by training. And really, it was my job to write a requirements document for what people would want to do with computers 10 years in the future. And then we would use it for not only the design of the chip, but we'd use it for hiring, we'd use it for patents. So it's a kind of a really... Applied really kind of specific process. And now I work with different organizations, whether it be with um, large corporations, which I still do, but I also do a lot of work with the government and the military, kind of looking out at these possible and potential futures and then enabling people to take action. That's so much about what I do. And so Brett, I think some of the, the biggest misconceptions are that I predict the future. I think that drives people nuts, right? Is that they hear I'm a futurist and then they say, okay, Mr. Futurist, so tell me the future of this or that. And and the thing is, is I refuse to make predictions. Really, ultimately, what I do and what I teach my students to do at Arizona State University is to work with individuals and work with organizations to not only envision their future, but really map out the steps it's going to take to get there.
0: Gotcha. So you're not making predictions. You're not, you're not, you never say like, oh, well, you're 2020, all the robots will have taken our jobs. You don't do that kind of sort of stuff.
1: No, no, not at all. But I do kind of look at parts of that, so we can say, okay, well, what will the effect of this technology be? What will the, you know, where do you want to go? And and so a lot of it really is kind of very action oriented to say, okay, what do you what, what do you need to do about it? So yeah, very rarely will I, you know, he, you know, here's when the robots are going to rise up and take over humanity. I get asked that all the time, and oftentimes I uh, I can answer that if you want me to answer it, but a lot of times I'm like, that's really not
0: the type of futurist I am. And what do you think when people think about the future, people have like the misconceptions people have about when they think about the future? Well, I think the biggest misconception
1: is that the future is set. You know, people think about the future as this place that we're all running to helpless to do anything about it, right? It's like, we're all going to, you know, Des Moines, Iowa or Boise, Idaho. And people always ask me about it, like, you know, hey, BDJ, what's it going to be like in the future? How do I prepare for the future? You know, what's the future of this or what's the future of that? And really the grammar and the vocabulary around that's all wrong because the future isn't fixed. And so I always tell people, you know, where do you want to go? It's not this specific place that you're headed towards. Now, granted, it's based on facts, you know, where technology is going, where is culture going and economics and all that type of stuff. But I think people have a lot more control over their future than they really know.
0: Yeah. So like the future is not like back to the future part two, where there's a 2015, that you can go to and everything's going to be like flying cars, like who knows what it's going to be like. There's so many factors that could change all that. Right. And I'm a, I'm a huge science fiction
1: fan. I'm also a science fiction author. So I'm a nerd. So I love back to the future. I love the whole franchise, but I always have to remind people. And sometimes I'm a little wet blanket when it comes to it. I, it can be a little sobering. I tell people, I mean, that's awesome. And it's a great movie and it's really fun. You do know back to the future is a movie, right? it's not the future, it's a movie, right? And a movie's there to have a good time and that it does, right? It's a really great movie, but it's not the actual nuts and bolts of going about and building the real future, the capital F future.
0: And how do you think this misconception of thinking that the future is determined, how does that sort of, how does that stymie organizations but also people from moving forward with their life? Well, I think for most folks, what I've seen over the last 25 years is,
1: people feel powerless. People feel, well, the future's set. And so where can I go? Okay. Uh, what's going to happen? How do I prepare? And they, they really don't feel like then that they can start taking action. And on one level, You know, it gets people to feel if they have, you know, some agency and they feel kind of comfortable and they have maybe some means, you know, they're trying to kind of make the right moves to maybe prepare for the future. And that actually, from a business standpoint and from a personal standpoint, is really the wrong way to do it. I mean, I can tell you that's that's really my job is to work with organizations to go, no, no, you can actually take steps to actually help form that future in different ways. And I work, as I said, with uh, sort of large organizations and trade associations and things like that to do it. But I think, Brett, the the really dangerous part of it is when people are not active participants in their future, right? They're not actively trying to shape it. And what that means is you're being a passive participant in your future. And if you wind that out a little bit more, it means that you're being passive when it comes to your future, which means you're letting somebody else design your future for you. And that never works out great. I mean, that result never works out great. And so I always, that kind of worries me about people as it takes away their power and it takes away their agency to really shape their lives. And sometimes that can be, you know, really dangerous with folks because they really do feel like they're kind of unmoored and kind of, they don't really have the ability to make changes and make decisions in their lives. And that's why I always want to kind of remind people. And I, I've seen it in their faces. It's one of the, my, my favorite things and, and why I like working with individuals and talking about this stuff is you see people you see their faces light up and their eyes light up. All of a sudden you see, oh my gosh, I can actually start shaping that future. And that to me
0: is, is really exciting. Well, that's interesting. You started working, you work with individuals, but your, your bread and butter is working with a large organizations to help with their high level strategy. How did you start working with individuals and why did you end up writing a personal development book from a futurist perspective?
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a great example, Brett. And that's a really interesting ride over the last 10 to 20 years. So you're right. Yeah. I mean, my day job is, you know, I work with the United States Army looking at the future of weaponized artificial intelligence, or I work with the defense threat reduction agency looking at the future of digital weapons of mass destruction, right? Sort of these big things, or like with the Intel corporation or like with companies like MasterCard looking at the future of threats to kind of fraud and security. So yeah, it's really kind of sort of serious stuff. And it's something I really enjoy. And I, I love my job. I absolutely love my job. But what's been really fascinating is people will pull me aside right because I you know I'm the future guy so I'm talking about the future and I think a great example is one of my clients is a manufacturing company in the in the Midwest of America so big traditional manufacturing company really awesome I've been working with them for many years and uh, I'm also a big baseball fan so they always know when I come to town it's like oh let's go take BDJ to the ballpark and one of the things that they did is they said well let's give our CEO just some some time with BDJ right you get some some off-the-record time with the futurist, right? And so we ended up getting this kind of really fancy suite, which was nice, and, and basically was all off the record. So this CEO could ask me whatever he wanted, basically for like an hour or two before the rest of the team showed up. And we sat there and we were having a beer and we were watching the game. And every single question he asked me was about his kids. Every single question was, how do I make sure that my kids are prepared for the future? How do I, you know, what do I do? And so to me, I take those types of questions really serious because I realized if somebody's asking me about their life or even more about the lives of their kids, you know, that's something that's more important to them than their own life, right? And so I really, really very early on took that really seriously. And so I would start talking to people and what I would tell them is that, you know, look, I can't tell you your future. I don't make predictions. Again, if I always tell people, beware of predictions and people who make them. Cause why are they making this prediction about, especially about your life? Like they don't know anything about your life. And so again, going to that empowerment, and say, look, I can't tell you your future, but I can tell you how I think about it, how to think like a futurist and how to get prepared for it. And I would do that. So I would do it, you know, in keynotes at conferences. I would go to schools, K through 12 schools and, and, and kids would pull me aside it just became this thing that really wasn't my day job. It was just this, I just cared. And I was like, well, because the future matters to me. And so I started having these conversations. And then I realized um, a couple of my friends said, you know, you really should write a book about this stuff. You know, you do it for governments and militaries and big corporations, and you care more about average people than you do about technology than you do about big business. Why don't you write a book that enables them?
0: All right. So yeah, the future you, you walk people through on how to apply the process that you use when you're consulting the military or the Intel corporation, how to, it's not, not predicting, but get an idea of what a possible future could look like and how you can get to that point or how to avoid a, a potential future. So let's walk through some of the stuff. So there's two types of casting that you do. There's future casting and there's threat casting. Uh, let's talk about future casting first. Like what's the overall process? And then maybe we can get to some details here in a bit. Sure. So future casting, as you you rightly called out, that's generative. It says basically, ask
1: a very simple question. What's the future you want? What do you want? It's the hardest question that we'll all have to answer. And that's what we do in the book is there's lots of examples and lots of ways of being able to answer that question for you. And so really it says, okay, so what is that future you want? And it gets you to get really specific and those details are really important and kind of walks you through, okay, here's how you can kind of get an understanding of that. And you know, my uh, <laughs> my my professor shows, I, people like to say, you know, I am a professor. So even in the book, there's a thing called quick questions in almost every chapter that just kind of interrogates it and allows you to interrogate your future to really ask all of those different questions because it's in those details, right? It's telling that story of the future you, which is so important because that's going to give you that raw material to really understand what's going to propel you towards that future. And then also figure out what are the steps you need to take, you know, today, tomorrow, you know, as you move into the future to get there. So
0: that's, that's future casting. All right. So, okay, let's talk about that first question, which is figuring out what you want. Like you said, this is the hardest. I think this is probably the hard. Yeah. I mean, when I think about like, what do I want for the future? Someone would ask me that. I'm like, like, I don't Well, I just want to be healthy. I want to be, I typically give like vague answers. So what are some questions or how do you get, drill that down? So it's more detailed. So you know what exactly it is you want for the future.
1: Yeah. And and that's, I think Brett, you call out a a great, I think your way of answering the question is how most people do it. So if you want to, we can do some straight up future casting for you right now on the fly. Yeah, let's but do it. yeah, but let's figure. But here, I'll give you an example and then we'll do when then we can do you. So this is an example in the book, but it's one that I use all the time because it's I like to have a little bit of fun with it as well. You can't, you know, I mean the future is a very serious subject, but you don't have to take yourself too seriously. So I was talking to a woman, she was kind of mid-career, kind of you know, not, not really happy where she was in a, in a, in a good relationship, but just professionally didn't really like what she wanted. So we were, we were having a chat and I was like, well, what do you want? Just like you said. And, and she said, she didn't know. She goes, you know, and she goes, that's why I'm here talking to you. And, you know, I kept asking some little questions here and there and she was getting kind of annoyed with me. And I said, okay, fine. Let's have a little fun with this. I said, do you want to be rich? And she kind of paused and looked at me and <laughs> she's like, what do you mean? I'm like, do you want to be rich? And she, you know, she looked like looked at me like I was an idiot, and I'm like, "Well, answer the question." She goes, "Well, yeah, I want to be rich." I was like, "Okay, awesome, great. Now we have a start. You want to be rich? Cool. What kind of rich do you want to be?" I said, "You have to give me details. Rich is not enough, right?" It's sort of like saying, "I want to be alive in the future." I was like, "Okay, fine. I get that. Great. So, what kind of rich?" And so she didn't. She was like, "I don't understand what what you want me to how you want me to answer that." I said, "Okay, let's try this. Do you want to be yacht rich?" She still kind of didn't get it yet. And I was like, do you want to have a yacht? Do you want to have enough money? And I'm not mean like a boat or a fishing boat or anything like that. I mean, like a full on yacht, a captain, a crew, right? Big, big yacht. And she's like, Oh gosh, no, I don't, I don't want a yacht. I said, okay, great. Now we know that. Let's go to the next one. Do you want a mansion? Do you want to be mansion rich? She kind of thought about it. And then she was starting to get it. She was like, not really. I said, yeah, do you, do you want like a staff and maids and grounds and groundskeepers? She goes, no, no, that's, that's too much. That's too much. I like, okay, great. And we just kind of walked it through to kind of figure out when you describe these things, you just kind of keep interrogating, keep asking more detail, more detail. And part of that is then I always try to get people to say, okay, so, you know, in your future, what does a Thursday look like? When you wake up, what's it like? You know, what do you do in the morning? You know, where do you get your coffee or your tea or your water? What's it look like when you walk around? And to really kind of get people to kind of tell that story because there's power in that story, not only in the details, because it gives you things that you can do. But it gives you kind of power, again, to be in those details. And so you can see yourself in that future and really interrogate it to say, okay, I this is the kind of future I want. And those stories will become a really important tool when you go on this journey and start working with other people and talking to other people and thinking about these future forces and all the backcasting and all the things, Brett, that you know now as a part of the process. But that that story part is really good. But I, I will tell you, the, the flip side of that story is I was talking to somebody else and I was doing that rich thing because it's kind of funny and I was talking to this one guy and I said, do you want to be mansion rich? And he looked at me and he went, yeah, yes, I do. I was like, great. That's awesome, man. Cool. And we talked about it and we really talked about, and he was down in Silicon Valley and stuff like that. So I was like, Hey, you know, I'm not going to judge that. Fine. Great. And I'll tell you, I ended up getting a text from him a little while after that. And I just got a quick text, like, yep. Am, i'm mansion rich now you should stop by for a drink and i was like wow and he did it yeah he ended up he made you know did some investments again he was in silicon Valley, and so he got mansion rich which i was like good on you good job
0: you know, as you were talking something i thought because i was oh he's about to ask me like what i want i have a, i think i'm really good at saying describing what i don't want but i have a hard time coming with like a positive like what like a, like what would it look like what i actually want does that make sense like I, like I don't I don't want to die. I don't want to go bankrupt. I don't want to run out like I, want, I don't want my kids to you know have tr- problems in the future, but I can't it's hard to be like, well, what do what do I, what does a positive outcome look like? Well, I think there's two things in that, Brett. So one, so that's the
1: cornerstone of threat casting, as you mentioned. You said there's two types of casting. There's future casting, which is generative: what do I want? Where do I want to go? And then there's threat casting, which is, as it sounds, sort of it's it's preventative. So what do I not want? And and it really, and that's threat casting grew out of the, these types of conversations in my professional life, but also in when I was talking with personal folks around. Because as you said, it's oftentimes easier to say what do you what do you not want? What's the future you don't want? Because mm-hmm. then you flip over and you look at the converse of it and say, okay, well, that's okay. So if you don't want that, that means this is what you want. So it's a, it's a way to kind of get into having that conversation. So there's nothing wrong with saying, okay, this is the future I don't want. Gotcha. Also then, and that's a, a, so, but the difference then, because you had asked about sort of future casting and threat casting, the real main difference there is with future casting, we say, okay, what do you, what do you not want? So that you can then have a conversation about what you, what you want. And let's be clear. I mean, most people, again, don't give themselves the time to think about this stuff. I mean, they just don't. Oftentimes, and you've probably had it, and, and many people have it, and, and and a lot of guys have it. I call it, the, the people call it the 3 a.m. terror, right? When you wake up, you're thinking about your life, you're thinking about your health, you're thinking about your family or your community. You know, you know, recently, you know, what we've all been through in the past year, year and a half, you know, we've kind of seen some of these really bad things. And that's also where threat casting comes in because threat casting says, okay, well, let's talk about the threats and it, it goes real dark, real fast and we get straight into it. And I do write about this in the book, some big threats. I mean, I, in the book, I talk about war and pandemic and things like that and really saying, okay, what does that mean? How do you prepare for it? But again, the whole goal is again to get into the details of it, right? Is to say, you know, I don't want to be bankrupt and it's okay, okay, great you know, let's talk about that. I I write a couple of parts in the book where I talk to people who were really low. I mean, we're on the edge of bankruptcy and we're really, really without a lot of means. And so, but we can talk it through. We can say, okay, well, okay, well, and what do you not want? And what does bankruptcy look like? Or what is making sure you're having enough money looks like? Or I, you know, during the the pandemic, I talked to a lot of small business owners and a lot of small business owners really like this book as well, because it's not just your personal life, but as many small business owners or many entrepreneurs probably in your audience know is it's kind of intertwined with who you are as an individual. A lot of small business owners, you know, we've had that conversation to say, well, what do you want? Or what do you want to avoid? And they say, well, I don't want to go out of business. I'm like, great, I totally understand that. What does that look like? Does that mean you want to keep the store that you have right now exactly as it is? Maybe. Does that mean you'd be okay with staying in business but going to a smaller store? Or would it mean going maybe just fully online for a while? Or is it all about growth? Is it about going to a store that's 2X or opening another store? I use that as a way to start engaging in those conversations with people. Again, and also it's not that they don't know, Brett. I know you probably know. It's just generally you're not given the space to do this. You're not given the space to have these conversations with yourself or with other people. And again, that was, that was part of the goal of, of writing the book.
0: Well, here's a question. What if someone like says they want something? And then they get it, and they find out I hate this. So how do you avoid? How do you avoid that? Well, that's the that's part of
1: it. And there's actually a funny story in the book about that as well. So I think one thing is you got to let yourself off the hook. Again, remember the future is serious, but don't take your self too seriously. So know that the future will change right? It will always change. As we said before, the future is in motion, right? It's not set. That doesn't mean it's, you know, it's not a single set place. It means it's always in motion. You know, it's uh, things are always going to change. And so with that, you've got to give yourself a little slack to say, hey, the future might change, which means the future you might change. What you want out of that future might change. So as you follow the process and say, okay, this is the future I want, and these are the steps I'm going to take, and these are all the future forces, and that's cool. But know that as you're going through this journey, it might pivot a little bit. And that that's, that's not a problem. That's a win. <laughs> that's the thing. I always tell my students, she or he who kind of breaks their vision first wins because now you've made it better. So I think it's embracing that idea that it's going to change. And the more you learn, it's going to change. And the more people you talk to, it's going to change. And actually, the closer you get to it, it's going to change. So there's a story in a book, which I really, really enjoy, was a guy by the name of Maddox. And Maddox, super smart. Biologist, he's in Boston, and we were we were at a conference, and we were hanging out and talking, and he, we were walking around, and he was thinking about his family, his partner, he's got some kids, and they wanted, and it's Boston, right? So it's he wanted to get a house, and he was trying to think, okay, how do I get ready for this? And you know, I'm not a financial advisor, but I was like, well, here's how I think about it. And We were kind of talking it through, and he was really thinking about he wanted a house for his kids, and he wanted the yard, and he wanted the you know, and so we were talking about, okay, well, think about that future you and tell me about it. And I said, you know, go inhabit that future. I said, not only go talk about it with with your partner and your family but like go live in that future like if you go and look at the listings and you may not even have enough money right now that's cool but look at the listings now number one so find out what you know what it might cost and what you might need to do to help you get your finances straight but then like go to that neighborhood go have coffee in the neighborhood where you want to live or where you might want to live or If you can afford it, get an Airbnb or a VRBO and actually like spend the weekend there. Like take a vacation in your future. Like that that type of stuff is always fun. Right. And and they actually really got into it. I kind of joke, the family who future cast together stays together. Like they had a they had a great time. They actually went and did that. And so I and so they went off and did it and they they really did the work, which is, I was really impressed. And I was swung back through Boston and we were having a barbecue in Maddox. And he actually would had a um, apartment at the time. So we we're out on his balcony and we we're having a beer and we were barbecuing. And he says, I got to tell you something, BDJ. And, and we were talking about this future casting. I was like, yeah, what is it? He goes, I really learned something about myself. I said, what'd you learn? He goes, I hate grass. <laughs> I was like, what? And he goes, I hate grass. I don't want a yard. Like I went to this and I realized- I hate yard work, and so he kind of went off. And he had thought, like many of us, you know, he wanted that very traditional house. And it turns out, as they were kind of doing this and going down this journey, they turned out he hated grass. And I was like, awesome! Now you know. Imagine how awful it would be if you went out through all this and you actually bought a house that had a huge yard, and you realized that you know you were gonna you were gonna have to spend your life working on all this grass and all this stuff. So no, I think it's it's a good thing when it changes, and I think you can kind of have fun with it.
0: We're gonna take a quick break for our sponsors. For those who embrace the impossible, the Defender 110 is up for the adventure. This iconic vehicle has been redefined with a thoroughly modern design. The exterior has been reimagined with compelling proportions and precise detailing, and the interior is built with robust materials and integrity. The Defender capability is legendary, whether you're facing off-road challenges or harsh weather conditions. Durability has been tested to the extreme. Cargo capacity means more room for your gear. And there's been powerful innovations like the intuitive driver display and award-winning infotainment system that keeps you connected. Innovative camera technologies deliver unobstructed views and effortless maneuvering, and the Defender is ready for a wide range of adventures. The Defender family features two-door Defender 90, the Defender 110, and the Defender 130, which seats up to eight. Push what's possible with a vehicle made to go further, the Defender 110. Learn more at LandRoverUSA.com forward slash Defender. That's rocketmoney.com slash manliness, rocketmoney.com slash manliness. Did you know fast-growing trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the United States? You can grow lemon, avocado, olive or fig trees inside your home on top of the wide variety of houseplants available. And I went on Fast Growing Trees, found the tree that fit the criteria that I was looking for, turns bright red. It's a maple tree that turns bright red in the fall. So if you wanna try Fast Growing Trees, right now they have some of the best deals online, like up to half off on select plants. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when they use code MANLINESS at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using code MANLINESS at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com, code MANLINESS, Offers valid for a limited time, terms and conditions may apply. Picture that thing you've always wanted to learn. All right, you got that in your head? Now picture learning it from the person who's literally the best at it in the world. That's what you get with Masterclass. This year, learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors, and many of these instructors are former AOM podcast guests. You can learn negotiation from Chris Voss, leadership skills from Jocko Willink, how to master your habits with James Clear. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so there's no risk. So recently, I went through the Masterclass on negotiation with Chris Voss. A lot of useful information in there. Talked about the value of knowing a negotiation, how to use your body language and speech patterns to get your best out of a negotiation. Very well done. I really enjoyed it and got a lot out of it. Right now, listeners of our podcast can get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com AOM. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash AOM, masterclass.com slash AOM. Check out the masterclass on negotiation with Chris Voss. And now back to the show. All right. So figure out what you want. I mean, you got to get specific. So to start, do you just keep asking yourself, I mean, are there questions you can ask just like, do I want to be rich? Like, are there starter questions you go through with people?
1: Yeah. And so first off, it's getting into, so who is that future you? And is it about, you know, again, getting specific. So is it about, are we talking about relationships? Are we talking about uh career? Are we talking about like with Maddox houses? You know, what is it first? You know, what are you, because like I said, I mentioned, there was that, the woman who I was asking if she was yacht rich, she had a great relationship. So her, You know, on the kind of romantic, kind of sex, love side of things, she was great. It was more kind of career. So I think first to kind of figure out, you know, it's often helpful to say, okay, well, what aspect do I want to do? That kind of helps, and then you start thinking about, all right, and you kind of go through. and Questions are then, you know, what would a day in the life be like? And and it changes depending upon what you're talking about, right? The the future you when it comes to a house looks really different. They say for a career. So it's really getting into those details and saying, okay, describe it. And you really got to write it down. And this is what I tell people. Now this could be you could type it in your phone, type it on your laptop. I'm a big pen and paper guy. Like write it down. Because Even having it written in your own handwriting is really important, but it's, you've got to take the time to live in your future, even if it's just your brain and really write down those really specific areas around whether it be, like I said, is it grass or is it, what does a day of your work life look like? And again, really specific, like who's it like? Who are you working with? What kind of autonomy do you want to have? What do you want to do? All that type of stuff. Even from a finance standpoint, you can sort of, you can kind of think about what all those details are. But I think the real important part isn't just that you don't have to get it right the first time, but you do want to, you want to get good with it. You want to be able to have a good story about the future you. And then the first step in the whole process is to identify your people. Like who's your team, right? We've all got a team, a squad, like, and it's usually your family, your close friends. It could be, if it's a small business, it might be the people in your business. It could be the people, you know, people in your community. It could be people in your church. It really depends upon who you are in your life, but we've all got people, right? First is to identify those people and go tell them your story. And it'll be really hard in the beginning because you'll feel a little silly, but don't, right? You can just tell them this crazy, bald, bearded futurist like myself was the one who's pushing you to do it. So go do it. And then like tell them that story and you'd be surprised how people will be really interested in it, how they'll be really interested in that story. And they may ask you questions about it and you'll get more details and you'll get more information about it. Or they might tell you they disagree with it. That's fine. And then kind of have a conversation about it and go back and forth. And it becomes this really interesting way to make that future feel more real and more manifest. And and now also what it'll help you do It'll help you identify the toxic people in your life. And we've all got them. And, and when you know what I'm talking about, these are the people who are there to tear you down. These are the people who will tell you that's dumb. You can't do that. So you need to get rid of those people, right? That's not your, that's not your people. Those aren't your, that's not your, your team that's going to help propel you forward. And it really, this will help you identify those people really well. So now once you've done that and and actually the more you tell the story, the better you'll get at it and the more details you'll have. And it's kind of fun. And then after a while, and then also, especially if it's your family or if it's a partner or something like that, it's a really nice conversation to have to kind of see what that, that looks like is as you do it together. So that's number one, let's figure out who your people are. Then once you've kind of got a, a clear vision of that, you start identifying, well, what are the tools that are going to help you get there? And these could be things like, you know, Technologies or apps, they could be trade associations or local community thing, local community organizations. To be quite honest, it's podcasts like this. You know, if you look at all the info on the backlog of of this podcast, I mean, it's pretty amazing. So you can kind of go through and say, okay, these are the kind of technologies and organizations that are going to help me kind of get myself educated, give me more information, connect me with other people. And then the next part you, now that you've got this story is to go find out, find the experts who are the people who've done this before? Who are the people who've kind of achieved your future or maybe not exactly your future because you're an individual and everybody's future is different, but who are the people who maybe live next door to your future? And so go ask them and get their advice. I and mean, again, by having that story about the future you, you'd be really surprised because anybody who's been able to achieve anything in life knows it's all about people, that everything we do is about people. It begins with people and ends with people. It's all about that social network and connecting with people. And you'd be really, really challenged. You'd be really surprised, actually, how people will be kind of giving of their advice and what they know.
0: This process of you know finding people, Finding your team, finding experts, uh, finding tools, organizations. This is analogous to finding future forces, part of what you do for corporations, correct? Exactly. Yeah. Those are the three main forces that help to kind of propel you towards that future you. And so the, and along the way, you're going to be asking these experts. I mean, so when you talk to an organization and you're trying to figure stuff out for them, you're looking at like oftentimes big picture, cultural, political, technological factors. Should the layman look at that sort of stuff too, or would that would they get too overwhelmed with that? I think that's up to the person. You know, I think there's, uh, it's really the,
1: there's no right recipe for it. You know, you know, certainly when I do this for corporations in the military, yeah, it's a very rigorous method that looks at everything from Social science to technology to cultural history. We look at economics. We look at trends, whether those be regulatory trends or cultural trends. And then I spend a lot of time interviewing people who are actually building the future. And there's a it's a very kind of rigorous method and process of going through and doing it. And I think when you do it for yourself, part of it is. Whatever works. And again, that's the engineer in me. So whatever gives you enough detail to feel like you need to get started. You know, it needs to be rooted in reality. I think that's a really important thing, right? It's gotta be rooted in reality of of what you can achieve and what you can do. You know, I'm a I'm a big baseball fan and I can guarantee you, Brett. I'm not going to play professional baseball. It's just not going to happen. (laughs) I was a pretty good first baseman a long time ago, but it's just not going to happen. So part of it is kind of as much as you need to, number one, get it rooted in reality, and number two, that gives you enough information to start the journey. I think that's the thing is that you just need to get started because that's really the hardest part. And then as you start going through those future forces, It's really in those conversations where a lot of that information will come out. So it's really getting started to the point that you feel like you've got a good story that you feel comfortable with. And then it'll just get better and better and better as you work through the
0: future forces. Now, there was one example of a young woman that you talked to in the book where she wanted to be a CPA. And her mom was like, you got to talk to her because computers are going to make CPAs obsolete here. And like, 10, 15 years. And you went to go talk to her and she's like, oh no, like I've looked into this. Like I want to, like I love math, I love numbers, but I want to work for a company that's basically making algorithms, like artificial intelligence. Like she had, Like she saw that future force when she did her investigation to her talking to experts. I thought it was a good example of someone who got based in reality was able to make a pretty good decision about the future they wanted. Yeah, it was
1: great. I mean, she was, she was, she really didn't need me at all. (laughs) She was, she had done her homework and, you know, she was a CPA who was going to help get rid of all the automate the CPAs, right? Just like back in the 1990s, how a lot of travel agencies got automated and things like that. But she had done the work. Yeah, she was very, uh, very smart young lady.
0: All right. So first step, figure out the future you want, uh, get really specific. The next step is find people that can help you make that happen or give you more information to help you make that future you want happen or help you refine what it is you want. And then this third step of future casting is called backcasting. What is backcasting?
1: Yeah, right. So before we dive in, so your teams, you got it right, but I would only, uh, your team also is going to hold you accountable.
0: Okay. So this
1: is also, so this is a thing that people ask me a lot, which is how do I, keep going, right? You can get started, but you know, we've, we're all busy, right? We've all got lots going on. So how do we keep going? Also, your team is going to be, you know, you're going to check in with your team and they're going to go, Hey, how's that going? You know, you know, what, what's going on? Cause again, it's, as we know, if you, if you involve other people and they're involved in your future, it's going to really help you kind of stick to it and keep it going. Right. And it's just that, that level of accountability I think is really helpful. And even for you, you know, like anything we do in life, like, you know, going to the gym or learning a new skill, having somebody else there to to kind of hold you accountable and to ask them to hold you accountable is, is I think a key part of it. So yeah, those are those, those forces. And then the backcasting part. So this is where the rubber meets the road. This is where it gets really serious. So now you've identified the future you want. You've identified the people, the tools, the the experts that can kind of help you get there. Now you're going to say, okay, if this is who you want, this is the future you, now you're going to turn around and look backwards and say, okay, great. That's where I want to be. This is the future you. This is what I want. So then you ask yourself, okay, great. What will get you halfway? So what is a thing that you could achieve? And this is super specific. This is why I say, I don't know your future. Nobody knows your future, but you. So this is a thing that you have to answer for yourself in your gut. And also in the story that you've done and the work that you've done, what will make you feel like you're halfway? If it's a job thing, it could be getting out there and, um, you know, getting a degree or getting an additional degree, a little bit of training. If it's a home, a house thing or, or a finance thing, it could be a certain level of savings or a certain level of connections, right? That's what I mean. It's so personal, but it's, okay, you got to write down, okay, what gets you halfway? So then you look at that say, okay, this is where I want to be. This is my halfway point. And then I want you to split it again to say, okay, well, what will get you part way. What's that thing that, you know, you're not all the way there, but it's going to show you, yeah, I've made some real progress. Like I am, I'm doing it, man. I'm there. I'm on my way. It's starting to happen. And then you write that down as well. And then the next thing you ask yourself is, well, what's the thing I need to do on Monday? What's the one or two things that I could do on Monday that is going to be simple? Could be a Google search. It could be, you know, calling somebody on the phone or making an appointment or going to a, like a community group around something. It doesn't matter. But what is the little thing that you can do that won't take much time or energy? Certainly won't cost you any money that will say, wow, yeah, I really am taking that first step. And then you write that down and you, and you get to it. So I think in that way, it makes it really, really methodical, but that's one of the things that a lot of people have kind of come back and their feedback on the book and on the process is like, yeah, it's work. I mean, it really is work. I'm mean, going to tell you, this is not just imagine your future and it will happen to you. I, I will I will not tell you that's going to happen. But what I will tell you, if you go through and you give yourself the time to do it and you go through and do it, it really becomes accomplishable. You really feel like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm taking those steps. I'm kind of getting there.
0: No. Yeah. I think everyone's experienced that with like a big goal. If you just think about the big goal, you get overwhelmed, but breaking it down like this, it actually makes it approachable. I like, I especially like the thing, like, what can I do Mondays? Like, what can I do the next few days to make it happen? And I love the examples you give in the book. Oftentimes it's not as earth shattering as you think it needs to be. It's can be, as you said, as simple as a Google search sometimes.
1: Yeah. And it shouldn't, like I said, it shouldn't cost any money or take too much time. You know, I'll give you an example in the book, kind of going back to, you know, somebody who was really down and out. I mean, she didn't know where she was going to get her rent from. And she, you know, and she had hit bottom, right? And and we've all hit bottom at one level, right? It'd be financial or personal or professional, whatever. And so I don't shy away from that. And she had hit bottom and she really didn't know, again, like I said, where she was going to get rent from. And she was, she was, she was in crisis. And I totally get that. Cause again, in my professional life, I do a lot of, I've done work with refugees and I've done work with other folks with, I mean, bad, right? Really, really bad. But then to pause and go, okay, but let's do it. Let's, let's figure out what we need to do. And so we were talking about what she wanted. And I said, listen, I know rent and the finance part, that's really important, but put that aside for a moment. Let's take a breather from that. And let's think about the future you want. And one of the things she wanted real important to her was to go back to school. She really wanted to go back and because of some financial, some sort of physical and mental health stuff, she couldn't do it. And that's one of the things she really wanted to do. She wanted to go back and I said, okay, great. So we were working on that and writing it down. And so we kind of talked through a lot of that stuff. And her thing on Monday, I said, look, go on the website of the local school that you might want to go to and find out who are the admissions people or who are the people who's the, really their job to help you be a part of this. And it was a large public sort of state university type thing. So they had those resources there. I said, it's their job to help you. I said, so go on Monday and go find that university and see yourself at that university, but, net, but even better, email that person. Email that admissions person, say, Hey, could I get a 15, 20 minute conversation with you about, you know, what I need to do and how I need to start thinking about this stuff? Cause that's that person's job. And again, won't cost you any money, only going to cost you about a half an hour. And she did it. And it was so empowering for her because all of a sudden she was like, I, she could see that, that future you, she could see herself. And it also made all of the other real hard problems that she had to deal with. She had then had all this energy because she was like, Oh my gosh, I, could actually do this. Like I could, because talking to this person who was like, okay, here's what you need to do. You need to do this, you need to do that. And here's how we can help you. And here are these things. And they weren't going to solve all her problems for her. But all of a sudden the future got so much bigger for her so that those smaller steps in the beginning just became, you know, so much easier.
0: Yeah. This process helps people help, helps increase people's sense of agency, which allows them to do more.
1: Yeah, that's exactly, that's the heart of the
0: book right there. Yeah. <laughs> right, You hit it, nail on the head. That's
1: the soul of this book is to sort of to help dispel the fear, but really give people agency and say, no, you, you have the power, you have the power to do this. And it really is up to you to take it.
0: And what's amazing, I mean, this is, people are like, well, this is such a simple process. Like, I just got to figure out what I want. I just got to, then I figure out, you know, tools and people that can help me. And then I do the backcasting, but simple but it, like you said it's not easy like figuring out what you want that's probably the hardest part and then this stuff takes work that second part definitely takes a lot of work and that third step the backcasting that takes work too you can't just sit and let it happen you have to be an active participant in it
1: yeah i think it's it's accomplishable i think that's it right it's is it is it hard it can be sometimes like i said having some of the conversations yeah i can t- guarantee you the first time you write down that story of the future you all by yourself. And the first conversation you have with somebody is going to be a little hard. It's just, it's hard right? because you're making yourself a little bit vulnerable. But I think it goes back to that, Brett, that it's, it's accomplishable that you can do it. You just have to do the work, but you know, anything, <laughs> anything in life that's worth doing is going to be a little bit hard, right? That's a, that's also what I tell folks when they're doing this is when you feel uncomfortable and you feel like it might be a little bit hard, that means you're doing the right thing. Right. That means you're actually taking the steps to meaningfully change your life. Whatever you want to do it, whatever you're, the, the life you're getting to, if you, if you're doing that, if it is a little bit hard, if you do feel a little bit comfortable, that is the way it should be. That, that should tell you that you're winning, that you are doing the right thing. If it was super simple, right. You know, I joke with my students, I, that's why we call it work, is that it's hard. You know, if it was easy, we'd call it watching TV. <laughs> I mean, so the idea is that it should be a little hard because you really are
0: working on your future and your future is important. So there's a phrase you use with uh, clients you consult it's, uh, it's the future is local. So the future is not a place like 2015, then back to the future, but it is local. What do you mean by that? So there's a couple of things in that. So the future is local.
1: You know, number one tries to get people to understand that the future happens where they are, right? So if you're going to build your future, the future happens where you are. And you've got to understand that. So there's the people around you, the businesses around you, the schools, the communities, that's your future. I mean, that's really the most important part of your future is is all of those things. So the future is really local. And I write about this in the book in that for some people, though, their future might not be where they are. So there's a there was a, a young woman who I, her dad kind of brought me in to kind of help her. She, and she wanted to be an animator. She wanted to be an animator for like Pixar and things like that. And she was really talented. And I was talking to her and I said, you know, and she didn't live in Emeryville. She didn't live in California. I said, well, you may want to think about if you kind of, if that's the goal, you might need to move there. Like you might need to go and try to find a job and you might need to move. And the kind of the joke I told, and it was, you know, if you want to be a lumberjack, you have to move to the forest. So there's a few times that you may have to move to your future. Now, not always, but it's having that conversation with yourself, I think is important. And then if you realize, no, no, my future is local. My future is right here. Awesome. So then you start thinking about, all right, so what is around me? Who am I working with? What are the things around me? What are the, who are the people? And it really starts to focus you and get, kind of get you thinking about what that might look like. And then also to understand that it doesn't happen, you know, over in Washington, DC or in Silicon Valley or in London or in Beijing, right? Or anything like that. Like the future is, is, is that kind of local. And it, I, what I'm trying to do is then it goes back to that empowering of people to really get them thinking about, okay, what are the resources and people around me that are going to help me transform that future and to focus locally. The other thing that I've really learned in the past year, and this is what the, the pandemic really taught us back in 2020, is the future is really local. When it comes to these sort of large events, I think we've all seen that it really is about the people around you. I mean, it really is about the community that you're in and really embracing that and how important that can be. And so I think that as well can be a really empowering way when you think about the future.
0: So at the end of the book, you are talking to a general. I think it was at West Point. You were at West Point? Mm-hmm. And he was basically, oh, I, I, I like what you're saying, but he said, basically said, like, plans are useless. Like, the, things are always changing in uh, rapidly complex environments. You can't figure it out. So it's probably not very useful. What was your response to him?
1: <laughs> and so yeah there's this there's this great Eisenhower quote that you know and he used it a couple times throughout the the 20th century that that basically plans are useless but planning is everything which he's right actually he's very right and it goes back to kind of what we talked about a little earlier in the podcast is that you know it's the act of thinking this way. It's the act of planning. And I told him that we basically are agreeing because again, that future is not fixed. And it goes back to that idea that, yeah, you can have a plan, but know that that plan is going to change. That's planning, right? And and to me, it's that that muscle of thinking in this way, thinking like a futurist, thinking about the future you, talking to people about it, going and making changes and being okay when things change. And again, from a military standpoint, right? You know what? What do they say? You know, with, with strategies, the first casualty of a battle is is the is the uh, is the plan or the, is the strategy going in because things change so much. But I think by accepting that and not thinking that as failure, but actually using that as a way to continually change and go, oh yeah, well I knew something would happen. Oh, that's interesting. How might I make a change? What might I do? It allows you as an individual to be more resilient. It allows as an organization or family or a business you to be more resilient as well.
0: Mike Tyson said it best is everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly. Well,
1: and here's the thing going back to Tyson and going back to this is that one of the things also over the pandemic and things like that, it's the training. So the training of thinking this way, you'll find that, and I do this with my clients in my, in my private practice is organizations who do this, people who do this, people who have trained themselves to think this way that you're right, even when you do get punched in the face, you know what to do. You're like, okay, now I know what to do. I've been punched in the face before. I thought about this, right? Or you've made a change. You say, oh, well, okay, I've been thinking about this future and this technology comes in. Oh, okay, well, that's new. How might that affect me? And actually, there's, a, there's some research that was done back in 2020 with some trade associations. I do a lot of work with supply chain trade associations. And of course, as you can imagine, during the pandemic, they had a lot of problems and they found actually that organizations that thought like this that thought like a futurist that used this future's work actually were able to adapt to this global destabilization of, for about three to four months in advance of their competition which gave them a strategic advantage and that's all that training that's all about you know going through that training so that when these things start to happen you're like oh, okay I've kind of thought about this before I've trained for this before and then you know what to do
0: Well Brian this has been a great conversation where can people go to learn more about the book and your work? So I think probably the best
1: place is uh, go to my Twitter feed. That's where I try to just post everything about kind of what I'm doing and what I'm writing. And that's just at BDJ Futurist. That's really probably the best way to track me down.
0: Fantastic. Well, Brian David Johnson, thanks for your time. It's been a pleasure. Brett, it was great chatting with you. My guest today was Brian David Johnson. He's the author of the book, The Future You. It's available on Amazon.com and bookstores everywhere. If you'd like to learn more about this book and delve deeper into this topic, make sure to check out our show notes at aom.is slash future you. Well, that wraps up another edition of the A1 Podcast. Check out our website at artofmanlist.com where you find our podcast archives, as well as thousands of articles written over the years about pretty much anything you think of. And if you'd like to enjoy ad free episodes of the A1 Podcast, you can do so on Stitcher Premium. Head over to Stitcherpremium.com, sign up, use code MANLESS at checkout for a free month trial. Once you're signed up, download the Stitcher app on Android, iOS, and you can start enjoying ad free episodes of the A1 Podcast. And if you haven't done so already, I'd appreciate if you take one minute to give us a review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. It helps out a lot. And if you've done that already, thank you. Please consider sharing the show with a friend or family member who you think we get on the out of it as always thank you for the continued support and until next time this is brett mckay reminding you to not only listen to a podcast but put what you've heard into action walmart plus members save on meeting up with friends